0: so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. Good morning and welcome. I know we've got some visitors here this morning. If you're new here today, guess what? You're only about three weeks behind Pam and I. So welcome. It's good. New things are happening. Lots of new stuff. But we're going to actually continue Something we started a couple of weeks ago, but we'll catch you up if you weren't here. Um, as Dan said earlier, three weeks ago I got to say two two words twice in this church. I said "I do" and "I do," and it reminded me like 43 years ago I said those to my wife. Like 43 years ago in August, and that's great. And you you know you say "I do," and you enter into a beautiful relationship. And we're still here, and we're, people don't run me out of town because she's here because everybody loves Pam, and it's like but. That thing is, 43 years ago, a journey started. And it doesn't just stop with I do, it starts with I do. And we have to commission ourselves and have love in action. So walking out love in action is where, I want to pick this up in a little while, but did that commissioning, and for those of you at the, uh, the joint service last week, the combined service, that was a really cool time. It was a cool time of connection, it was a cool time of actually saying, you know what, Yass Valley 2582, we're standing together for Jesus. And where where we dwell in unity, the Lord commands a blessing. He doesn't suggest it, he commands it. And I got my commissioning off the kids. There are some photographs going around of me, plastered with face paint. I've asked Carl to take that and not make that my profile, but anyway. (laughs) Let's see where we go. So last week we had the backstory, and we talked about Romans. So two weeks ago we, we looked at Romans 12, and we went from 9 to 13. And some of the things we looked at were love's quality. Now, love has a real quality. The love of Christ, you know, that reckless love of God, it has such a quality. We looked at love's morality. We looked at its commitment, like a marriage. We looked at its expression. We finished on love in action. I want to pick that up and work through love in action. Because Jesus' type of love is not the love of the world, is it? The love of the world says, if you do this for me, I'll get that. You can have this. It's a give and get stuff. Jesus just loved us. In Romans 5, he loved us even when we were his enemies. Even when we were his enemies. So Jesus introduced this lifestyle where everything was opposite. It was all counterculture. It was opposite to our feelings, you know. Some days, I love Pam. And some days, she loves me. In fact, every day, we love each other. But some days, she ain't in love with me because I'm not lovable some days. Some days, they're bad days. But Jesus goes against that. And learning the way Jesus loves people, and living at peace with all people is what we want to talk about today. And how do we do that? It's really hard, but we need to go back to Romans 12one one. We're not going to cover that today. But go and have a look at that. In Romans 12.1, you're being transformed from the inside out. When Jesus came into my life, and in a few weeks it'll be my twenty-seventh birthday, when Jesus came into my life, he trans- started to transform me from the inside out. Romans 12.1. We need that power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to be dwelling in us and coming out of us. Because guess what? The Holy Spirit is in each one of you who believes in Jesus Christ this morning. If you've committed to your life to Jesus, you've said, He is my Lord and Saviour, He's in there. But guess what? For Yass Valley, 2582, the rest of Australia, He wants out. The Holy Spirit wants out. And he wants to transform this community with His love. So a couple of weeks ago, we concluded, 12 to 9 to 13. This week, I want, to, I want to talk about that peace, that peace outside the church. And I want to pick up those scriptures from Romans 12, starting at verse 14. And it's read in, in one version. I'm just going to read it in the Amplified. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but repay evil with good. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, my dear friends. Leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink in doing this you'll heap burning coals on his head do not overcome evil with evil but overcome evil with good you know to do those things to actually go to do those things we have to go back into romans to be transformed romans 12:1 we need to make that our prayer lord transform me from the inside out so i can see people the way jesus sees them the way i i can love people the way jesus loved them that's hard stuff that's not easy Unless it's easy for you, but it's not easy for me. I I don't think it's easy. Sometimes we need to be transformed. We need to be able, when we transform from the inside out, we get to love the unlovely. We get to see people. Jesus didn't hang around with all the nice, shiny people, the lovely people, as society deemed them. He hung around with those that society deemed unlovely. You know, to do good to those who do evil to you, that's hard stuff. To pray for those who persecute you, some of you, I guess, are starting to freak out and saying, "Oh no, Keith's going to tell us to love evil people. I'm not telling you. The Word of God tells you that in Romans 12. The question is, in all of that, how do we do it? We need to be surrendered in every aspect of our life. There's a, a word that Pam and I often share when we're doing Inner Healing training. It says, if the Lord's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. The Lord wants to be Lord over every aspect of your life, your thoughts, Your actions, the stuff you do at home, he wants to be in there. when When we're moved by the mercies of God, we get transformed from the inside out. Where our minds are truly renewed, we can truly love others. We can see others the way Jesus sees them. So Romans, in 12 verses 1 to 2, we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. 3 to 8, it says, get a sober image of yourself, actually act in a humble way. Don't have, you know, I used to be in the cops, as many of you know, in the UK in London. And I used to meet lots of people about 12 o'clock or, you know, midnight, 12 midnight, one o'clock in the morning, and they used to see the world through beer goggles. These incredible beer goggles give you this really weird perspective of yourself. And, you know, for many years, I had that perspective. I was a hero at work, but I was a zero at home. I didn't actually get a sober view of myself until I was about 40 and Jesus started to unpick those things that were not helpful. And then 9 to 13 was all about, last week, or two weeks ago, was all about loving people who were in the church. It's easier to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, isn't it? Most of the time. Now, it's not always easy, but sometimes it's easier to love those. But when you say, well, now we've got to go and love those down the street, in the pub. Are we going to do that? But just before we break down this scripture from 14 to 21, I just want to pull four things to your, to your attention. It says in verse 14, not to curse, but to bless. It says in 17, not to repay evil, but to repay evil with good. Not to take revenge, but let God have vengeance. And in verse 21, it says, don't be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. See, Jesus preached those very same things. In Luke 6, 27 to 28, it says this. And I'll read it from the Passion. But I say to you who hear, so he's giving Jesus is giving the opportunity, are you listening, are you hearing? I say to those who hear, love your enemies and do something wonderful for them in return for the hatred. So these people are hating me and now I've got to do something wonderful for them. When someone curses you, bless that person in return. When others mistreat you or harass you Accept it as your mission to pray for them. Accept it as your mission to pray for them. So when we finished this morning, it's like, are you going to accept that? Are you going to surrender every part so that you can make it your mission to do what Jesus did? That's a challenge for me. So hard to do sometimes. You know, and now I'm going, maybe you're thinking, well, uh uh-oh, if I'm going to pray for my husband, Pam did that for eight years before I got saved. She's been saved for eight years. And she's going, and I persecuted, I harassed her. But you know what? She didn't return all of that and get into big fist fights with me. She prayed for me. Yeah. What am I going to do? Am I going to pray for that teenager, that boss? That boss at work who's on my case, who's micromanaging me. He's always asking, she's always asking, what are you doing? Give me accountability. So but it's more than just management, it's micromanagement. Now, I just want to pull out six ways this morning. Six ways to put this love into action that are out of this, this scripture. So the first one is in, is in verse 14. Love speaks well of persecutors. Love speaks well of persecutors. It says in, in the Amplified there, it says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. The thing about that, it says, it doesn't say if you are c- c- persecuted. If you are persecuted. It says when you are persecuted. We are persecuted. In this world, we get persecuted. It's quite clear. It says in John 16:33, it says this, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We will be persecuted because we're not from this world. We're on a way through this world, and where is our destination? We know our destination is heaven, but we're passing through. We're in this world. We need to hang around with the people in this world. We don't need to be of it. We're children of the light. We're children of God. Romans 8 tells us that. It's quite clear. You know, We will face opposition, especially when we get bold and start speaking more about Jesus. On occasions, I've been in restaurants, and you've heard me, you may have heard me say about a preacher. People say, you're praying for the food. You're talking about Jesus. Can you tone that down? Because this is Canberra, you know, when you have meals. You don't, you don't talk about that stuff. People tell you that. Just, just talk more about Jesus. So what do we do with this stuff? We bless We bless. When people persecute us, we bless. Bless is made up of two words. Well and words. The word bless means well and words. And the word eulogy is actually drawn from that in the Greek. Well and words. That means when we we get persecuted, let's use our words to speak well of the people who are doing the persecuting. Use them and speak well. When we eulogize someone, Andrew's not here today, but when we have funerals, when we have funerals, we always do a eulogy. We speak well of the person who's gone to be with the Lord. Hopefully, it's one of those type of funerals. I've been to a couple where we've gone to support people. Jesus never got a mention. Very sad. But when we eulogize, we speak, we say good things about our enemies. That's really positive. It says, bless, do not curse. But then there's the negative stuff, cursing. We can get into those, those arguments, and we can start to bite back. But he's saying, we're not to curse. Jesus said this on the sermon in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. says, love your enemies. You have heard it say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus said, I tell you this, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. It's kind of a theme, hey. It's in there. It's in the Bible. It's, it's constant. We've got to pray for those who persecute us. And then he says, as you are the children of the Father of heaven, he causes the sun to rise On the evil and good, and he sends the rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Have you ever noticed that as believers, we're walking down the the street, and when it starts to rain, it doesn't just rain on you, it rains on absolutely everybody in the street. Absolutely everybody. God actually pours out his rain on all people. He's been quite clear there. You know, be like God. He says, like our Father who sends the rain. When the rain comes, we all get wet, believers and unbelievers. So we need to pour out the rain of our well words on them. We need to bless them that persecute us. Be like God. 1 Peter 2, 21 to 23 says this. In fact, you were called to live this way because Christ also suffered in your place, leaving you his example to follow. See, Jesus died in our place. There's not one of us in this room, me in particular. Under 36 years, I describe myself as a born-again heathen running around doing all sorts of crazy stuff. I didn't deserve the reckless love of God that came in in 1996 into my life. I didn't deserve it. Not one of us deserves it, but Jesus set the example right there. He says, live this way because Christ has already suffered for you. And when he was verbally abused, he was on the cross. He didn't return those abuse. He didn't return that insult. When he suffered, he didn't threaten retaliation. Was he in his right to say, I'm going to come and smite you? You better get ready because, you know, Carl, you've done those things and wait till the second coming comes, mate, because I'm going to have my yoke. He didn't say that. He stretched out his arms. He stretched out his arms. And what did he say? As he gave his life, he was hanging on the cross. He wasn't spitting back at those who were attacking him. He wasn't threatening to, to have them in the second coming. He said this in Luke 22, 34. It says, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And it's funny because Stephen actually copied that in the book of Acts 7 verse 60. He said, And falling to his knees, he cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this against them. And when he said that, he fell asleep. That's amazing. He, they describe it. He fell asleep. He went to be with the Lord in peace. He died. You know, they were stoning him. But he, he just replicated Jesus. See, we need to have the love of Jesus. We need to pray for those who curse us, not return the curses. Second thing I'll just draw your attention to is in the next verse. It says, love is empathetic. It has understanding. Empathy is is an amazing, powerful thing. Empathy is not sympathy. Sympathy says, there, there, then. Sorry, oh, there, there, then. Empathy puts yourself in another person's shoes. You don't have to have gone through it, but empathetic world and an empathetic life puts yourself in another person's shoes. Empathy requires engagement. It requires you to actually, you know, talk to people in the street. We have a funny, strange thing that wherever we go, and I think I shared a couple of weeks ago when we were on holiday, we ended up talking to all sorts of people on, on the boat we were on, and people asking about Jesus. You know, Dan to here, people are seeking for something. We all know what they're seeking for. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. But they don't know what they're seeking for. But when we have empathy with people, they engage with us. And it's not a complicated thing. It's not rocket science, or I wouldn't be doing it. It's sitting down, having a cup of coffee. It's noticing the one. It's actually stopping for the one and noticing them, having empathy. So it says this, rejoice for those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Or in a passion, says, celebrate with those who celebrate. Weep with those who grieve. You know, sometimes it's easier to weep and grieve with those who are grieving. It's really, you know, it's, oh, you, you, you've had a loss. You've had a loss. I can sit there and I can empathize and I can weep. But, you know, sometimes it's really difficult as Christians to actually celebrate when somebody else has a win because I think we have a fallen nature that still needs to go. I do. I don't know about you, but I do. Sometimes, you know, like you might have been praying for that new car. You know, for, for 10 years you wanted that new car. And, God, I, I'm driving around in this rusty old ute. And, Lord, would you help me? And then somebody rings you up and says, guess what? You'll never guess. God's just blessed me with a brand new Toyota Parado for nothing. That's nice. That's really good, isn't it? Praise the Lord, hey? You know, you do it like that, you become a ventriloquist. You actually start to go, praise the Lord. But you know what? Jesus did that. He says, celebrate. It's easy. It's not natural. But in the body, it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one member suffers, we all suffer. If one member is honored, we rejoice together. You know? Weeping and rejoicing. Rejoicing is sometimes harder. It's sometimes getting inside. You, know, you might have been the bridesmaid or the, the best man for 20 weddings and you're desperate. But you know what? Jesus has an amazing plan for all of us. He has an amazing plan. It might not just have arrived yet, but we need to get this thing inside us. You know, praise God. I'm, you know, oh, yeah, you got the new car. Praise the Lord. I'm not going to church for a few weeks not going. God wants us to get that out of our nature because he's saying, pray for our enemies, actually empathize. John Stott put it this way. I, I, I love the way John Stott, he said, love never stands aloof from other people's joys or other people's pains. Love identifies with them. It sings with them and it suffers with them. Love enters deeply into their experiences and their emotions. You know, family, we need to get it deeply ingrained in each other's Feelings and emotions and live life together. And then it says this. Their laughter and their tears. And it feels solidarity then, whatever their mood. And somebody wrote a poem out out of that and it said this. It said, a sorrow shared is but half a trouble. A joy shared, it makes it double. We need to learn how to celebrate with joy when people win. No, something that God has put on our hearts. When people ring us up and say, you know, I've just been given this thing. God's blessed me with that. Let's celebrate because we're all part of one body. And I think that's the thing that Dan was saying this morning. Let's be joyful. Let's actually celebrate. We're not giving whatever it is. Let's celebrate. We've got kids out there. Let's celebrate that we've got kids leaders to run that. Let's celebrate that we've got people who want to hang around and serve God. But you know, Jesus was really cool at doing this stuff. Jesus went to a wedding in Canaan and he celebrated. He went to Matthew's house. You know, Matthew said, come to my house. And Matthew was a sinner. But Jesus went to a sinner's house. Because Jesus did the things that were opposite to culture. He went went to the grave of Lazarus. And what happened when he went to the grave of Lazarus? There was the shortest verse in the Bible that said, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He showed empathy. He had deep understanding. And Jesus wants that understanding for us. He was expressing his humanity when he wept, but it was a sinless humanity. It's absolutely sinless. Jesus wants us to have compassion. Verse 16 says, love lives humbly. My, my little pick of that. Love lives humbly with believers. This is about us getting on together. You know, Live in harmony with one another, it says. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. That doesn't mean we'll all agree in this church. Hey, that's why we have these meetings. And apparently, our first one's coming up on the thirtieth of April. Praise God, you know. But we don't. We journey together. We live in harmony as brothers and sisters. Doesn't mean we all have to be out of a cookie cutter. Pam loves baking. She loves making cookies and you know, all nice little uniform cookie cutter. But if everybody looked like me and talked like me, that we'd be in a mess. I've got to tell you, <laughs> we'd be in a real mess. But Jesus created each one of us. You know, if you look at your thumb, take that thumb right there. Every one of you, ex-copper, I took a lot of thumbprints, fingerprints. Every one of you has a unique thumbprint. Every one of you has a unique DNA. There is not one person. Even twins, they have a uniqueness. God created you, and he has an amazing destiny and plan for you. So we don't need to come out of a cookie cutter. We don't need to all agree on things. We do need to agree on some things that Jesus died, he rose again, and he's coming back. There's some of the things we do need to agree on. But, you know, he's expressing this thing, live humbly, flowing. You know, when we're in a family, it says associate with the lowly. Associate with people in your workplaces. You know, I once went out to a, uh, the bush, and I'll call it the bush because it was two hours' drive out of Broome for a suicide prevention conference. And I was sat in this suicide prevention conference and there was three Aboriginal women there. And I was helping these groups put a, a course together for Aboriginal people. And I went and sat next to these three Aboriginal people. They were in their, their 80s, these ladies. They'd never been out of their community in their life. And I have to tell you, it was a, there was an aroma. And yet God connected me with these ladies. And we started talking through a translator. Because I didn't speak their dialect and they didn't speak English. And we were there for a week, and at the end of the week, these three little ladies, I was with a couple of other guys, these three little ladies came up and they presented me with this little six by six dot painting. And my mate who's been in Australia all his life, he said, How did he get that? It was a bit like praise the Lord, eh? (laughs) How did he get that? And the translator wasn't a believer, she just said, because he sat with them in the dirt, he listened to them, he was interested in them, and he had empathy for them. It's not rocket science. We need to get empathy for the lowly. We need to associate with them. That's who Jesus hung out with. You went down the street. If you went down the street in you in walked around Fishwick, where would Jesus be? He'd be talking to the prostitutes on the street. Fact, he would, he was he associated with sinners. He didn't come for those who thought they had it all together. They ran around. I told you, I was a very important person for the best part of 40 years. I had it all together, really. Jesus hung around with them. Can you imagine how transforming that would be? You know, it says in John 13, to 14, 13 verse 14, it says this. If I then, your Lord, teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash others' feet. Should others go and wash other people's feet. When Pam and I were in the Philippines, we were ministering to a, a number of churches and we got invited to go to a conference. We arrived at this conference and we were there to speak for three days. And literally, as we stood up, the power went off. There was no power. There was there was nothing. There was just this very hot place. And the Lord said to me, Go and get them to get a couple of bowls of water and get some towels. And I want you to wash the leader's feet. I thought, like, that's a cool little example, Jesus. That's cool. Hey, let's do that. That'll go for about 15, 20 minutes while they fix the power. Do you know how long that went for? It went for the whole morning. Leaders were washing others' feet. The congregations were coming forward, and Jesus did something special because Jesus says, go wash their feet, go hang out with the people down the street who may not fit your lifestyle. They may not be quite where you're at. Can you imagine how transforming that's going to be for YCBC, for, for 2582, for Australia, if we actually did this stuff, transforming our marriages, our families, communities, our nation, for Jesus, hanging out with those that everyone else rejects. They can't give you something, so we don't hang out with them. I could give you example after example, but it still exists in our churches. We were at a certain other church many, well, not that many years ago, but a few years ago. And Pam and I were associate pastors, and we were hanging around. And one day, the senior pastor came to me, and he said, Look, Keith, uh, you guys, you you and Pam, you hang around with those people. Can you go and hang around with these people now, please? Because those people, I need you to hang around with these people. These people here were the ones with the, um, the money, the, you know, they, they were the people with the influential jobs. These people over here, they were the broken, the lost, the ones who were the misfits. And, and it, it saddened me. And it nearly actually broke me. And I nearly did uh, something I'd done many years ago and just quit. And the Lord said, you want to stand for them. You need to stand for them. And three weeks later, our son ended up going missing and was missing for five days. And you know what I realized in that process? Hey, we're one of those people. We're all one of those people. I, I pretty like the ones that Jesus hangs around with. Because in that process, Jesus got to hang around with me. Taught me lots of stuff. We you know we need to, if we start getting a high view of ourselves, even as Christians, oh yeah, well I've got it together now. I can read my Bible. I know the Bible back in front. If we stop hanging around with those people and stopping for the one. Something gets lost. Number four, Jesus, you know, it says this. This is where love lives in verse 17. Love lives thoughtfully in society. Do not repay evil for evil, but you know, do what's right in God's eyes. You know, This is said in a few ways in this passage. It, it, it keeps repeating in different ways, but it's very clear there. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Don't pay them back. If someone rips you off, don't seek to rip them off. That's Keith's translation someone's done it hard to you don't seek to get them back you know lord i just want them smited i just want them you know old testament i just want them taken out pray for them make them a prayer make them part of your prayer life number five love seeks to live at peace with everybody and it said and i loved it it was the the way it was just ready there you know if if it's possible as far as it depends on you live at peace with everyone I think Paul was writing that, not to to the believers. He's talking about those outside the church. Because you know, outside the church, there are some people that just don't want to live peaceably with you. They actually want to attack your faith. They actually want to seek out to take you out and destroy you. But it says, as far as it depends on you, the pursuit of peace is sometimes one-sided. Pam pursued peace. As far as it depended on Pam for eight years, she pursued me with love. During those eight years, she'd had the revelation of Jesus Christ. I hadn't. And I was not a pretty person back then. Some say I'm not now, but hey, it's okay. The pursuit of peace does not come at the price of truth, though. I want to say this. The pursuit of peace does not come at the price of truth. You know? Never seek peace at any price. Don't compromise God's standards. God has standards, you know? I used to think that the Ten Commandments were a book of rules, but actually, they're God's best for us. They don't do that thing. It's not good for your kids. We need those boundaries. So we need to just not compromise his boundaries. We need to keep in his word. We're camping around his word. We're camping around love, but love has something to say about that. We need to attempt to live our lives at peace. You know, the restoration of Jesus. Pam and I have been through lots of things, and and sometimes I've not handled them very well. But God is very gentle in teaching me how to handle them better. But a number of years ago, I was running a mental health and suicide prevention program. And during that time, it started at this tiny, it's interesting about money again, started as a little pilot project with a $300,000 grant for two years. three hundred dollars a year. Very nice. And don't ask me how, but I'd landed in Australia and ended up in charge of this organization. That was probably a crazy thing for them to do. But it went from 300000 and in, in eight years, it ended up having a turnover. Six years. Had a turnover of $6.2 million. It's a lot of money. Funny how all that big organizations suddenly get interested then. And members of the board who are part of those big organizations, one person in particular said to me, I, I think you need to come under our organization now. And the Lord said, no, it's for everybody, because they just represented one p- part of the society. And so I was gentle with that, and I said, I think God wants, oh, I didn't say thank God, but I'll see my mind. I'm going, I think God wants it for everybody. He's not, he's not partial, is he? He doesn't show favoritism for their members or these people. And so I said that in my my best sort of you know gentle way. And this person said to me, oh, I need to find out more about you and more about all of this organization. And that person made it their business. Well, actually, it wasn't just that person. That organization made it their business to try and, Attack us. They couldn't find anything dodgy, so they started attacking our character. Things were said about us, and I had an opportunity to, you know, go to court and fight them and do all this stuff. And God said, Live at peace with all people, pray for them. And I prayed for this lady, and Pam and I made her part of our prayer life. Ten years later, I, I see this thing on Facebook and it says, People you might know, and this woman's, it was a woman, her name popped up and I went, hmm. And God said, I want you to contact her. I want you to ask her how she's going. So I kind of sent this email. Just flicked it and said, How are you going? Yeah. Left it, nothing. I said, oh, great. Don't have to talk to her. <laughs> Six weeks later, I get this two-page email from this woman saying, Please forgive me. You know, I've come to Jesus and I want you to forgive me, and I'm going. And, and look, I've still got part of my police brain in there. I go, hmm. She said, I want to meet with you. And I said, well, I'm not meeting with you in a private place. Let's meet in a public place. So we did. And, and she had surely, Jesus had come in her life. She went from being Saul to me to being Paul. She was a trained lawyer. and she, What can I do to support you? And she's walking with Jesus now. So let's see that. Don't persecute. Pray for them. Make them prayer projects. Come on. Last thing. On in in living our lives, love lives differently with our enemies. Romans 12, 19 says, and to, through to 21 talks about, don't avenge yourselves. You know, vengeance is mine, says God. I'll repay, says the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For doing that, you heap colds. So I, I, I misinterpreted that when I first said, oh, that's great, put some burning stuff on them. You know, but no, do not become over overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let God handle it. With that lady, it was like God just took her out of my hands. I had to let her, you know, let him handle it. He'll sort it out. Some of the problems we have, we just can't sort them right now. Sometimes we just say, "Hey, God, I'm going to commit it to you. I'm going to give it to you that." And I have multiple examples of God now looking after Pam and I, defending us. We don't have to fight for ourselves. You know, I I used to have a good go, and I'm I'm not a small fella. And when I was in the police, I could defend myself. But you know, if I say, God, I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to defend myself, guess what? He let you. And he let me a few times. And guess where I ended up? On my backside. Yeah? Because he knows what's best for me. Don't take that vengeance. Let your dad take the vengeance. You know that thing in the school? My dad's bigger than your dad. You ever, you know, do you remember those back in the school? My dad's bigger than your dad. My dad can fight your dad with one hand, tied behind the back. But you know what? The truth of that is my dad can. Your dad can. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Jesus is coming. So, you know, it, it's never avenge yourselves. We're called to resist. It says in Matthew five thirty nine, resist the devil. Turn the other cheek. Now resist. But it's not about not having police, not about all those things that we have in place. This is a personal thing with you and non-believers. Resist. Actually turn the other cheek. I hear the story of a, and I come from Liverpool, so I talk about Irish people, Irishmen who... Actually, somebody hit him, smack on the cheek. So he turned the other cheek, hit him again. Next minute, this Irishman went, bang! Fellas flat on his back. He gets up and he says, I, I thought you Christians are supposed to turn the other cheek. He said, that's what it says. It says turn the other cheek. He doesn't tell us what to do after that. <laughs> I- I'm not sure that's quite biblical. I really am not. So I wouldn't take that. But it's kind of like Jesus tells us to resist the devil, to hand it over to Papa. Vengeance is mine. Jesus was quoting, they were quoting Deuteronomy 32. And you know, in in 1 Samuel 24, David, David was there, Saul was out, and he had a chance to spear Saul. He had a chance, and his servant says, let me drive the spear through Saul. And David said, no, God will handle it. He's king. God anointed him. God put him in his place. You know, David sought reconciliation. He saw that Saul was anointed, and he stayed innocent of all of that. And, David was described as a man after God's own heart. And if there's one thing I want to finish up, I'm going to meet my pop and say, hey, you're a man after my own heart. You're a woman after my own heart. But this goes beyond resistance. It goes to total benevolence. Don't curse and bless. See, there's an opposite. There's a kind of a negative and a positive in each of these things. Don't curse, but bless. Don't give evil for evil, but give good for evil. There's these negatives and positives. Again, so to, if, we, if we add evil to evil, do you know what we do in the world? We double evil. Have you thought about that? So if someone attacks you and you attack them back, you've just doubled evil. But if someone attacks you and you are blessing them, praying for them, being kind to them, heaping coals on them, feeding them, you're actually halving the evil and you're increasing the wealth that God has in this nation Actually, reducing the power of the enemy. You know, that's the way of the cross. For me, that is the that is the ultimate way of the cross. That is God's masterpiece that we are put this planet to reduce. And I want to finish with this scripture. I want to actually read this scripture because this is where Jesus broke the cycle for me. And I don't know where you are today. Don't know where you're at in your walk with the Lord. But I just want to read this. It's Romans five. It's Romans five. It's what Jesus did for us when we were His enemies. And for 36 years, I was his enemy. I I just didn't want anything to do with it because I'd been bashed up. I didn't. Well, the church. But then Jesus said this. In Romans. Paul says it in Romans. Romans 5 verse 6. For when the time was right, the Anointed One came and died to demonstrate His love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. When I met Jesus, that's what I realized. I was weak, I was powerless. I might have had a very important job. I was a very high-ranking copper, but I was powerless to save myself. Now, who would dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? We can all understand if you're willing to die for someone who's truly noble. But Christ proved God's passionate love. God's love is passionate. We sang about the reckless love of God. God's love for you and for me and for the community out there, for 2582, for this nation of Australia. God's love is passionate. We need to get passionate in all love. We need to join with Jesus. I'm passionate. I'm passionate. Christ proved God's passionate love for us, dying in our place while we were lost and ungodly. And there is still much more to say about his unfailing love. For through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ we heard a powerful declaration. Hear this declaration this morning if you you don't already know it. You are now righteous in my sight. In Romans 8 it says the case is closed. You're not guilty because Jesus took your guilt. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus you will never ever experience the wrath of God. Praise the Lord. So while we are still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son that was greater than friendship. That's now ours. The thing that is greater than friendship is now ours. And now because we are at peace with God, we should share in his resurrection life. How much more will we be rescued from sin's domain? God wants us out there in our community. God wants us to to love our enemies, the unlovables, to stop for the one. You're willing to do that. That's my challenge for you as we go out. You know, God has has blessed us. Pam has an amazing, and I was picking on her because she's my wife and I love her, but I do. But she'll walk down the street and she'll stop for the one. The ones that people drive past quickly. The ones who are sat in shop doorways. And, you know, just by stopping for one of those and giving them some value, you don't have to give them money. You need to give them a value and acknowledge their existence because Jesus knows they exist because they have a thumbprint too. Each one of them has a thumbprint. And he says, they're my kids. And guess what, church? He wants his kids back. So I'm just going to pray and uh, close. And then we're going going to switch off the live stream. And I just really believe that it, if, if there's anything this morning that you need to hand over and surrender to the Lord, there's going to be people up here who are willing to pray for you. Amen? So, so could we just bow our heads because I don't know, you know we have people, I don't know what your walk with Jesus is, but if, if you don't know the Jesus I'm talking about this morning, the one who, who came and rescued me all those years ago and, and saved me from the pit of hell, literally, he's here for you today. And while people are, you know, got their eyes closed, that's a respectful thing to do I just want to pray for you, if that's you this morning I just want to give an opportunity, I never want to let an opportunity go so if that's you, just stick your hand up while nobody's looking, so I want to pray for you and if you're online and that's you, I just want to pray anyway, so Papa I thank you, and you can pray this wherever you are Papa, I just thank you that you came, that we could have life, and you paid the the price for everything we've done, past, present, and future. So today, I commit my life to you. I ask that you would be Lord and Savior. And you would come in my life, and you would help me live in this new way from today. Amen. you prayed that prayer online, then Jesus says, welcome home. Welcome home. So Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you we can camp around your love. We thank you, God, that we can go out to our community knowing that we have the biggest dad in the world and uh, we can heap coals on this community and see it transform for Jesus Christ Amen Thanks for joining us today As you head back into your week we want to encourage you to stay in his word stay in his love and stay strong in your faith Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram or via our website at YCBC.Church See you soon